0: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. It's been a crazy busy day, and so it's a great time for us all to sit back and enjoy our homes, whether we live in an apartment or a townhouse, a single family home, a multi dwelling. It's your little castle. And we are going to talk today about ways to make it even more relaxing, more comfortable, more secure. And we have a number of people that will be speaking with you today. But first, I want to first thank Herbie, who's streaming us on ACB Media 3 and Travis, who will be hosting for us. And my first person to speak is the president of the Council of Citizens with Low Vision, and that is Patty Cox. I want to let everyone know if you want to look at the screen, if there is going to be um, part of the presentation that you need to see the screen, you're welcome to move up closer. And um, we do have raffle tickets here, and we would hope that everyone in here would purchase a ticket. And I want to welcome um, everyone that is presenting today. And Terry, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Thank you, Patty. And as many of you know, this is the Council of Citizens with Low Vision and ACB Next Generation that are co-sponsoring this event today. And I am going to introduce next someone who I is a colleague of mine, actually, at work. Kayla will be speaking with us today from the Federal Communications Commission. And we're going to be talking about the Affordable Connectivity Project and about scams. You know, I think we're all very, very tired of hearing about the auto warranty that's running out on our car. I keep wanting to tell them that, you know, when are you going to make uh, the warranty include a white cane or a guide dog? And they haven't come up with an answer for that one yet. So anyway, Kayla, if you would unmute, we would love to hear from you and have a great conversation.
0: Thank you, Terry. Um, Thank you, everyone. I'm happy to be here today. Happy 4th. Um, I'm actually going to reverse <laughs> the order. I want to start by actually talking about um, the scams and then I'll talk about the affordable pro- um, connectivity program. And why am I starting with scams first? Because we all know, and we all still get those phone calls that interrupt us when we're having the best time uh, with our family and friends. And yes, These are, these are, these happen not as often as some consumers have told us, but they still keep happening. And the the concern for the FCC is that if consumers are not aware of these calls, they could get scammed out of a lot of money. So we will start. Um, If you haven't already heard, these are called robocall scams. Um, They come through various different uh, ways. Um, and I will talk a little bit about spoofing. So robocalls, sometimes you're sitting at home and a number may look like, let's say your neighbor's number or a local store. And when you pick up the phone, the person at the end, if they start asking you your personal information such as social security number, bank account number, anything of that nature, please do not provide the information, just hang up. And if you have a phone that actually the numbers can be displayed before you pick up, it's a good idea to just give a quick look to see if it's actually a call from a family member or friend or if it could be potential scam. It's okay not to pick up a phone if it's really a legit call it will, some the person on the other end will leave you a message. But even messages you have to be careful with nowadays, because some messages may sound legit. And so if in within the message, if it's an organization that you don't work with, or a business that is trying to get money from you, and they're saying it up front, please do not um, reply to that message. Just, you know, delete it off your phone. Some of these scams are scammers are not getting they're even more highly tech, and they will send you these texts that may seem a little strange. And one thing to look out for is you may be receiving. And nowadays we do a lot of shopping online, or or more than we used to before the pandemic. So let's say you purchase something from Amazon, and you get a text, but you did, but the text looks a little suspicious because it says. Something along the lines of, oh, we can't deliver to you right now. You'll have to pay an extra amount of money. Please do not reply to those type of texts. Another one could be, um, it doesn't always have to be Amazon. It could be FedEx. It could be UPS. It could be any type of, of scam. Other scams right now are or from supposedly government agencies and when we please note that the government will never call you and ask you for any personal information. Now we used to say at the FCC that the government never calls you but there are exceptions to that rule where you may get a call. Um, let's say for example you left a message at the social security administration's office and they're calling you back but even if they say it's the social security Administration, they're asking you for personal information again, especially your social security number. Please do not give that information out over the phone. And of course, there's always the scams that come via emails. So, any type of email that sounds urgent, for example, oh, you haven't paid your bill for electricity. So, if you don't send us a check within the next 24 hours, we will shut off your service you know, the best thing to do is actually look at your bill, whatever it is, I I mentioned electricity, it could be any type of bill, look at the bill, whether you receive a paper copy, or you receive online and check. Sometimes I know a lot of us have automatic payment. And so we don't we're not even aware of what's um, these type of uh, bills come because we just pay them automatically. But Where you see something like that, please be really careful. Um, And I will summarize about scams on this because I do want to move to the affordable connectivity program. Again, don't answer any text, email, or phone call from anyone that you really are not familiar with. If you pick up the phone and someone starts asking your personal information, like a bank account or your social security number, just hang up. Many people... um, say that they'll they'll engage the conversation and then tell them they're not interested. Please don't do that. Just hang up because that alerts the scammer that there is a person behind the phone that the phone call that they're making and they, they could try to do it again at another time. Do not respond to any text that, that says about payment. Always check your bill um, to make sure that you are okay or even call the provider, service provider, to, to make sure that, that this is something legit. So I will move on to that. I know I'm going to leave some room for questions for later, but I want to talk about the Affordable Connectivity Program. And I will talk about consumer protections for this program. Not so much scams, but things that consumers should be aware of. So the Affordable Connectivity Program is a program that the Congress gave us $14.2 billion to manage this program. Eligible consumers can receive up to $30 a month off their internet bill. And for households that are on federally recognized tribal lands, that benefit goes up to $75 per month. Not all participating providers are offering the additional benefit of up to $100 off a connected device, which could be a laptop, desktop, computer, or tablet, as long as the consumer pays between $10 and $50 for that device. Now, the way to find out who is participating in this additional benefit is the FCC has a great list of participating providers. If you go to our website, fcc.gov slash ACP. You can uh, go to find the link to the participating providers. And once you get to that list, you can search for a provider by your state. And the ones that have a check mark next to their name are the ones that are offering this additional benefit. And we talk a lot about households for the purposes of this program. So a household is defined as a group of people living together and sharing money and expenses. So if you live with someone, but you all pay separate bills, those are considered separate households. If everyone is paying the bills together, but you live separately, those are also considered separate households. And an example of, let's say, one household could be a married couple that is living together, and even if both qualify for the benefit, they can only have one, and that's considered a a separate household. Multiple households could be three roommates all living together, but each of them is covering their own expenses, so that would be multiple households. For eligibility for this program, there are lots of ways. Most um, households qualify because they are at or below 200% of the federal poverty guidelines. And the great thing is that the application, whether you fill it out online, you download a copy, or you ask the Universal Service Administrative Company for a copy of the application, there is a section that helps you determine if you fall or where you fall within 200% of the federal poverty guidelines. But there's a lot of other ways that households can qualify and I will just briefly mention them. If if someone in the household receives Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program benefits or SNAP, Medicaid, federal public housing assistance, Supplemental Security Income, if they participate in Lifeline, which I'll talk about in a moment. For tribal families, it could be participating in Benefits from the Bureau of Indian Affairs, General Assistance Program, Tribal Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, or the Food Distribution Program on Indian Reservations. If there's a child that participates in the National School Lunch or School Breakfast Program, that household is also eligible. If someone in the household receives a Pell Grant for the current award year, or if there's a person who receives Veterans Pension and Survivor's Benefit, these all qualify the households. There's also households that meet an eligibility criteria for participating providers, um, low income program, I won't name because I'm with the FCC. So if I name one, I have to name them all. But I will say that that last point refers to if a low income household already has internet service. And That service usually costs anywhere between, let's say, $9.95 to about $14.95 for the household on a monthly basis. Those households also qualify for this program. I want to go a little bit back to a program I mentioned, Lifeline, which is another federal government program where consumers uh, can receive up to $9.25 off their monthly bill, or if they're on tribal lands, it's, the benefit goes up to $34.25. Eligibility for Lifeline is almost the same um, for as ACP or the Affordable Connectivity Program. That includes SNAP benefits, which I mentioned, supplemental security income, veterans pension. These are all examples. The one difference is if the household would like to qualify on their income, they would have to be at or below 135% of the federal poverty guidelines. And like the ACP, the Lifeline application also has a section that helps consumers within the application determine if and where they fall within these guidelines. There are two steps to enroll in the Affordable Connectivity Program. If you go online and already have access, you can go to affordableconnectivity.gov to apply or print out the application. If a household does not have currently any access to the internet, they can call the Universal Service Administrative Company at 877-384-2575 and ask for an application to be sent to your home. Once you complete the application, the best thing to do is to wait and receive from USAC either a confirmation email or some other way. They give you a confirmation number and let you know that you are eligible to enroll in the benefit. Once you receive that information, then you can contact a participating provider. And again, the FCC's hub, FCC.gov ACP has a link to the providers. We also have a link to the application if, if you wanna fill it out from there. And you can discuss with your provider, now that you're eligible to enroll in the Benefit, what plans they offer, to see what plans best meet your household's needs. So I'm going to talk a little bit about consumer protections. There are many consumer protections for this program, and they include empowering consumers to choose a service plan that best meets their needs, Ensuring that consumers have access to supported broadband service regardless of their credit status. Prohibiting providers from excluding consumers with a past due balance from enrolling in the program. Ensuring that consumers are not liable for early termination fees. Reducing the potential for bill shock. Now, bill shock is, and the FCC has talked a lot about this too, bill shock is you're given a potential price and then maybe six months down the line, so your payment increases. So there's, there's even rules in place to get that, to avoid that. Um, the other one is allowing ACP recipients to switch from provi- between providers. So that really means you can start with one provider. And if, for example, it doesn't work out or their plans, for example, don't meet your needs, you can look for another ACP participating provider and enroll with that provider. And also, the FCC is providing a dedicated process for complaints. Now, we already have our complaint system, which you could go online to consumercomplaints.fcc.gov, or we have a toll-free number that consumers can call 888-225-5322 to file a complaint with the FCC Um, for both. If it is an ACP specific complaint that you can let, well, if you call the number, you can let the operator know and they will connect you to someone. Or if you're doing it online um, at the top of the page, there is a banner that says need help with ACP and you could click on that and it'll give you instructions on what to do next. Um, I'm coming close to the end of the presentation, but I wanted to share some information with everyone. We have a lot of great materials available at fcc.gov ACP. You can l- click on the link to our outreach tool page, and that includes a lot of information. You can, through the outreach toolkit, you can get and download logos, social media images, fact sheets that are available in English, Spanish, and about 11 other languages. We have ASV. L videos on that website. We have audio PSAs and we have an overview video which are really helpful for consumers. You can request a speaker sending an email to acpspeakers at fcc.gov. For general outreach information, you can email us at outreach at fcc.gov. Again, our hub for all this information, fcc.gov slash ACP. And I'd like to close by saying If you need more information, please always feel free to call USAC at 877-384-2575, or you can send an email to acpinfo at fcc.gov. So thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to answering questions.
1: Kayla, if I can add in a couple of things here, a lot of that information that Kayla refers to is also available in alternate formats. Of large print, screen reader friendly MS Word files and in Braille. And to request those, there is a link at the bottom of a button at the bottom of the pages that says to request accessible formats or alternate formats. Uh, either click on that and it'll bring up a form, a, a, an email, really. You just do not change the subject line in it. But down at the, it asks if you want it in Braille, if you want it in large print, or you want it in Word. And it's a yes or no. And for the first two, you need to put in your address because it's hard copy. And the email address you can use that will go to that will go to this email address, or you can email directly to FCC504 at FCC.gov. And that's my little advertisement because I'm the one that does all of that. Um, the other thing is that I that I wanted to let you know as well, folks, is there's, Kayla has done a great brief presentation here. If there's any additional questions that you might want to just kind of look at some night, uh, some information, The if you go to cclvi.com. Org or um, Visibilities, V-I-S-A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E-S. It's like disabilities, but with a V for vision, dot uh, net. There are some podcasts that we have done with Gerard Williams, who also works with Kayla, uh, that we did last winter um, on the Accessible Connectivity Program, and I think there's also one on, on scams as well that's a little older, perhaps. But those are additional information that is available to you, to most of our members. So with that, I am now going to turn it over to Travis. So let's take Jewel first. And we do have a couple other hands now
2: past her.
3: Mm. Hi. Yes, I have a very quick question um, for Kayla um about the um internet um the FCC, um the i don't know what it's was called the accessibility um the, for the internet um i rent a room in a house my landlord and housemate does not qualify for this but would i qualify for it because i pay half that bill thank you yeah
0: um if i if i understood correctly um... As long as your your bills are separate, um, even if you pay half, but you get your own invoice for, let's say half the rent, that's specific to you. Um, if you're using income, um, that would that would be the way the way to qualify. But if you meet any of the other eligibility requirements, that's also something to consider uh, applying. Applying under for this? And I just want to make sure um, that that was the question that was being asked.
3: So I have a lease with my housemate. um, But we, you know, it says that I pay half the utilities, including internet, but I don't get a separate invoice. Um, I have it in my bank statement that this is what I pay. And I send her a uh, breakdown of what I'm paying. Um, But I don't have like a specific invoice or anything. Would my lease work to show that?
0: That's a good question. You know what? Let me, me, because that would be considered kind of shared expenses. Right. Um, And if it's all under the same house, even if you have Mm -hmm. separate rooms, that's still, you're all under the same roof. Right. That said, um, if uh, I'm going, I'm going to give you an email address to email me separately. Um, so okay. that, we, that we can um, that I can look a little bit for you, because I want to make sure that that's the case. Um, outreach the all one word at fcc.gov. Now, I will be out of the office this week, so I will answer next week.
3: Thank you so much. I will make sure to reach out.
0: Thank you.
2: All right. Carrie Smith, you are next.
0: Oh, uh, yes. Um, Is
3: it Kayla? Yes. Uh, can, you, can you give me the email address for the affordable Conductivity is FCC or F whatever it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so there are several. So please bear with me. Um, if you are looking for accessible formats, as Terry said, that email address is FCC504 at FCC.gov. What is it? FCC504.
3: Okay, five, oh, four.
0: At fcc.gov.
1: At stc or no, it's fcc like Federal Communications Commission. Dot com. Dot gov. G-O-V.
3: .gov. <laughs> gov. Okay, I have another question. On the same bet, you gave an address up there. Affordable. Affordable. slash
0: uh, something. I didn't get it all. Okay, so that uh, for the application. That's what I need. connectivity, all one word, dot .gov, and that's the website where you can find the application.
3: AffordableConnectivity.org or gov? Gov. Okay, thank you. You're welcome.
0: All right.
4: I uh, have
0: a question
4: about the, <clears throat> what do you call it, the um, disability, um, SSDI or whatever. What age requirement would you have to be to get on this
0: uh, government program? There is no age um, requirement for this program. As long as you meet um, some of the eligibility requirements, I I believe um, you mentioned some programs. So Supplemental Security Income or SSI would be one of the programs. Medicaid, federal, if you're on federal public housing assistance, um, veterans pension and survivor's benefits, Pell Grant recipients, if there's a, if someone else in your household or a household that um, there's a child that receives national school lunch or school breakfast program benefits, those all qualify the household. Um, and if the income is at or below 200% of the federal poverty guidelines, is something else to consider. And again, that within the application, there's a section that actually has a chart that helps consumers determine where or if they meet that 200% of the federal poverty guideline. The great thing is that you only have to meet one eligibility requirement.
1: Hey, that's all of our hands right now. Kayla, the other thing, um, folks, that the when you go to the application that Kayla gave you the address for, if you have problems with the accessibility of it, there is a phone number also listed there for anyone who does have accessibility issues with it. Uh, USAC has uh, has set up an, uh, someone to help with anyone that has accessibility issues with the application. And I don't know it off the top of my head, I'm afraid, but I do know that it's uh, it is on the web on the USAC, on the website for the application.
0: I could definitely help there. Um, that oh, number great. is the eight seven seven three eight four. Two
1: five seven five. See, that's why she's doing the, the 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 presentation today instead of me. She's got all of these things at her fingertips.
2: <laughs> and we do have one hand, if you'd like that.
1: Sure. All
2: right, Tony.
3: One thing that also, when you're talking about the
2: scammers
0: and the scams, one other thing I don't know if you mentioned this or not. I don't think you did. Is that sometimes people will get calls claiming to be from computer companies like dell hp and microsoft so that's another one that you might want to watch out for anytime because computer companies will not call you if you have a computer issue you've got to report your issues to them yeah that's a good point and there there are other ones uh, other ones too where you know the we had we don't hear about it as much but i might as well mention it here we call it the grandparent scam so mm-hmm. it You're at home and you don't necessarily have to be a grandparent. You can be any kind of relative. And supposedly, and I say supposedly because that's where the scam happens, a relative of yours, and usually they'll always say it's some kind of, you know, a young adult or a teenager is at a police station. They got into a car accident and they really need $500 sent immediately Um, either, you know, most of the time they'll ask for payment uh, via a gift card and no- know that nobody ever asks for payment, a legit payment via a gift card. But there are a lot of people that get scammed that way. So thank you for bringing that up because that's, those are all different types of scams that you can lose money. And the one with the computer, even if they don't ask for money, the danger is that they'll, somebody will remote into your system and they can really obtain a lot of information that way.
2: All right, Sue Ellen, you may, you may go ahead.
0: Okay, I got this one
3: scam a bunch of years ago. I didn't fall for it. Somebody claiming to be calling from my mother's hospital bedside. She was in the hospital. Um, I actually got it as a message, so I um, went to call them back, and I called my sister. I had the presence of mind to call my sister. And she said, oh, no, I just talked to mom. She's still at the lake. You've been scammed. Is that scam still the kind of thing that's going around? But it is something people might want to
0: watch for. Yeah, there's there's all different types. Um, and and um, scammers will are really good at, they may call you and mention something, but they will keep trying you. It's always a different number. They will keep trying you. So in, in your case, as an example, um, they're saying that your mother was in the hospital and you you um good thing you called your sister Uh, somebody else might get a call saying oh um you know we, we got into we got into your your uncle got into a car accident and then you always think about calling that relative and you call them and they're safe at home and those those kind of things still pop up and and i said i think i mentioned before they're getting really sophisticated about how they're reaching you. It's not always a phone call. It could be an email. It could be a text message. And those are just things that, as consumers, we all have to look out for to make sure that we don't get scammed.
1: Thank you very much for that call, for that question. I have been very remiss in something and just got an email, uh, a text rather reminding me to ask if we have any questions in the room. We've been doing just Zoom questions, and I apologize to, the, to those of you in person. I know we have a f- few more calls, a few more questions on the Zoom room, but do we have any questions in the room in Omaha? Not right now. Okay, thank you. If you have the time, Kayla, can we do a few more calls, a few more questions? Of course. All right. Currently,
2: we have three, hand, three hands. Uh, Let me know when you need to stop or I'll let you know when I'm out of hands. Uh, Next is Sarah.
3: Okay. um, A couple of things. I missed part of the beginning. So I wanted to know that um, address, but a biggest thing, um, I actually have been getting scammed on Facebook and I know it's baloney because I've been getting these um, messages on Facebook and actually brought them out in the open because they were saying, Oh yeah, because you're um, disabled, you can get a, $100,000 to $500,000 disability, uh, award for money. And I'm like, no way, nobody's giving me $500,000. This is ridiculous. So I actually called my social worker and I said, look, I don't think this is real, but is this BS or am I just, I mean, or I'm hallucinating and is this like a good idea? Is this some kind of COVID thing? Nope. She says, it's not real. There's nothing like that I know about. So, um, but, um, yeah, and I just I actually when them came out, and I just I I got mad enough, and I just outed them. I said, "Look, I'm tired of getting these call messages. Guys, watch out for them. Don't fall from them. They're scams. I know because I checked."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very good.
0: Thank, thank you for you know um, sharing sharing that type of information with with your social worker and other people could easily fall for scams. So social media is in a whole different world. Um, we, of course, work with our sister agency, as I like to call them, the Federal Trade Commission, uh. for things like that, um, you, you could definitely uh, file a re- uh, complaint through the FCC, we would share that with the Federal Trade Commission, because th- those go more into businesses, which they regulate, um, we regulate telecom, so service providers and, and such. But still, we both our agencies work together to address these issues. Um, so a lot of
3: these sharing. a lot of these sites need to get this crap off of there because I'm getting sick of it, and so's
0: a lot of other people. <laughs> yeah, and that goes to. I mean, I know I'm going into something that the Federal Trade Commission would talk about, but this includes, you know, remedies. Um, oh, you know, if if you get COVID, here's a remedy. Early on um, during the pandemic, there was a lot of. Um, really bad actors out there saying that they had solutions and and they had ways to avoid COVID. None of that is true. Um, But, you know, it, there could be, I know that, that, that has, um, you don't see that as much, but you never know there could be somebody, like I said, they're getting very sophisticated. Yeah. There's a lot of weight loss scams out there too. Yeah, and the FCC, uh, excuse me, FTC, um, they, they have a lot of notices. If anybody ever wants to go to the Federal Trade Commission site, it's um, F-T as in Tom, C as in cat.gov. And you can find a lot of information about these type of scams, along with, of course, the FCC's webpage, FCC.gov. And you could go to our Consumer Help Center, and um, when you click on Consumers, or fcc.gov slash consumers oh, wow. for more information.
3: There you go.
2: All right, Marion, you are next. When
3: you talk about sophistication. I have as my server, I have Spectrum. And I got a phone call a couple of days ago. Uh, the person on the other end of the phone said, this is Spectrum, and used the same kind of background music, et cetera, that one would encounter when they are with Spectrum in reality. And I said, if this is so-and-so, a name which I did not recognize, press one. If it's not so-and-so, press two. If, If you're waiting for the person, press three, et cetera. I hung up immediately and called Spectrum. They know nothing about it. So that was my first thing. And the second thing is I wanted to know if it is the best thing to do is just hang up on these calls. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you so much for sharing. Um, And this is a good example. When you receive those type of um, voicemail message, and I had said before, you know, if it's a really legit call, somebody will leave your voicemail message, but there are scammers out there that are in tune to that. And so they'll leave messages. Please never reply to those type of emails. Don't press any type of numbers. In, In the... The least, case, the least worst case scenario means that once you press a button, it lets the scammer know that there's an actual person who has this phone number, and they will continue to bug you um, and, and call you, changing their numbers all the time until they actually can talk to someone and try to scam you out of important information. Um, the best thing is to do just ignore those calls. Hanging up is great if you pick up, and sometimes we all have um, – we see a number that we think we recognize, we pick up and find out once you talk to the person that isn't, hang up. And, you know, um, some phones, you can see the incoming number. If you don't recognize it or you're not sure if it's really a legit call, just let it go into a voicemail. Don't even pick up. But hanging up is the best defense, especially when the person on the other line starts asking you for really personal information, like a social security number, like a bank account, those are like your mother's maiden name. I mean, it's, it's a lot of different things that the scammers are using.
1: Something else that came up in a tip one time um, a couple of years ago when we first get into robocalls and such is never use the word yes or yeah. And that's, I've always re- tried to remember that. You know, if somebody calls and says, Mrs. Pacheco, I'll, I just automatically say, Who's speaking? You just you don't want to use the word yes, because they can actually re- take that and rearrange it and say that you're agreeing to pay X number, you know, twenty seven hundred dollars for a new pair of fingernail clippers or something um, that I, and I've always that's always stuck with me is never use the word yes when you think that it, when it's something that could be any kind of a scam.
0: Yeah, that's a, a good reminder to um to to not pick up and say uh, say yes. Uh, sometimes uh this also happens too if someone starts saying, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Usually that'll alert you to I'll uh, yeah. up on this person.
1: Yeah, that's a that's another good one where you're where you to say, Yeah, I hear you. Or, yeah, go ahead or something like that. And that's all they need to 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 tap into your if they've got any of your information. That's all they need is an appro that they can make that sound like an approval. I think we have two more questions in the Zoom room. And Patty, if you have any more questions in the room room, uh in Omaha. Let us know, and we'll take those as well. Melody is our next
2: question, our next person here. Hi, Melody.
0: There are scammers who are now able to access either personal contacts or membership databases for 501c3 organizations. I just took the bait last month. It was so specific. I sent four Apple gift cards through Amazon, and because my card was not compromised, and I was told I would be reimbursed and the scammer did not leave the option to do so. Apparently, I'm not the only
3: one. Now I'm having trouble proving the dispute to the bank and my credit for my account could be taken back 90 days from when I filed the dispute and they want to also cancel my card. And I'm having a tough time. I sent emails with the proof, the case number, the receipt, everything. But because it's normally a card, they may do that. And I, I just it's, it's, it's do not take bait like that. I received no appreciation afterward, and that's when I figured it out.
0: Sorry that that happened to you. Um, uh, the only thing I can add there is if you haven't already done so, you may want to look into the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And I believe that they, they also um, they deal a lot with consumer protections with regards to financial and banking. Um, that might be something you, want, you also want to, to look into.
2: All right. And Fran is our last hand in here right now.
0: Recently, we've been getting these phone calls. And when you pick up, you hear this little whoop. you know right away that that's going to be a spam call. As soon as I hear that little sound, I hang up immediately. I don't, you know, I don't even mess with it. And that is the right thing to do. Um, if, or another thing that could be somewhat related is, you know, you, you pick up the phone and it's just, Um, what I like to call elevator music, very gentle music there. And, you know, don't, don't even hold, just hang up on things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know that there's going to be a scammer at the other end of the line. The one thing I do like to do is, and I know I shouldn't do it, but I, when they, when I get those calls for the warranties, I always ask them, well, does this warranty come with a car and a driver? (laughs) They hang up on me well uh, you know and and i want to um i mentioned i mentioned this briefly but i I think this is a good a good point to to mention it so there are ways that consumers can also um be uh, proactive about this um we know that there are there's no way to get completely rid of this cause, at least right now, but there are ways that consumers can protect themselves. So you can always talk to your current provider and see if they offer some either call blocking or robocall blocking tools. Some may offer for free, some may offer for a a monthly cost. It's good that before you commit to anything with your service provider to know if it's free or, or, you know, if there's an additional cost. There are some apps for for consumers that have smartphones. There are some apps, again, some may be free. Some may be um, you have to pay a monthly fee. It really is up to the consumer to determine if they want to pay for blocking service or not. Um, Most providers are getting better at recognizing these calls. So for some, um, you may see a... Uh, a message, your phone is ringing, you may see something that says potential scam or scam likely. And these are all uh, the kind of like red flags, like, oh, maybe I should not pick up this call. So those are some of the things that, that you can do. Again, you know, if you have access to the Internet, um, I'll mention a, a few years ago, uh, the Federal Trade Commission had a contest and no More robo was one of the winners um, they got a grant from the Federal Trade Commission to to um, to address this issue. I am not promoting them here. I'm just letting you know that that is one that was that came about because of a um, because of a, f- a federal government competition. It's not an FCC; it's Federal Trade Commission. But that might be something to consider. You might want to talk to your friends and see if they have um, an app or if they have a service that blocks these calls and ask what their experience is and consider if you can get the same thing through your provider but but again I think one of the simplest yet not as easy to do things and I say this more because of myself is our instinct is when we hear the phone ring to pick it up um, but if again if someone starts asking you for personal information just hang on Because that is most likely could be a scammer there on the other end of the line. And, you know, you rather, I tell this to a lot of consumers that have asked us, you're not being rude. Nowadays, it's not being rude. It's protecting yourself. And if it really was a friend that you hung up on, the friend will call you back or they'll let you know, hey, you know, you didn't pick up my call. Uh, But that's always a, a better way to stay safe than picking up a call and giving Away your your personal information and being scammed.
1: Well, I thank you very much, Kayla. We have two more calls, and I'm just going to ask if the two of you who have your hands raised could be very quick with those calls uh, with those questions, because we are running out of time, unfortunately. But let me also ask one other um, slightly aside side side issue here. If the um, gentleman Andre, from Best Buy is here. Would you also raise your hand so we can promote you to panelist? I'm just thinking you might be on the wrong side of the of the on the participant side. And with that, I thank you. And I think we have just it's one now. Go on, yeah. Just I said I was just noticing that. Yeah,
2: Lisa, I just wanted to mention that Aetna is my um, insurance. And uh, they call me up and they ask me for all my personal information. I always tell them, I'm not comfortable giving it to you. And I wind up calling them back and it's usually legitimate. And I've addressed this concern with them before, but they are legitimate, but I won't give them my information. So even if it's your insurance company and they're legit, call them back. That's all. Thanks.
0: Yeah, that's perfect advice. Um, Even if it is a legit call and you hang up, call call back the number. That's the... the right thing to do. I'm, I'm glad that um, that you've actually let them know you're not comfortable with it. And, and I'm glad that it is a legit call, but so many people for them, it really isn't. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Well, thank you very much, Kayla, for taking time out of your holiday um, and just giving us some really good information. Obviously we've gotten a lot of questions from people that uh, and and plenty of information about the affordable connectivity program which I think a lot of our uh, members are either involved in now or uh, will be in the very near future after this call and I thank you very much for joining us this afternoon and you go and enjoy the I I, I know you're in the general, DC area so go enjoy the capital fourth
0: (laughs) thank you so much everyone and happy fourth and Terry maybe someday I'll get to see you in the office again. (laughs)
1: wouldn't that be nice (laughs) goodbye everyone you folks don't understand on top of that the FCC headquarters that we both work in moved in the middle of COVID so none of us have figured out where our offices are in the new building or anything yet (laughs) It's going to be an experience when we go back in. Take care. Thank you so much, Kayla.
4: Goodbye. It's Chris Cunningham. I am a sales specialist with HumanWare. I'm the person you talk to on the phone. Usually when you call the 800 number and you have a query about our products, Um, I Today, I'm going to share with you about our low vision suite of products. And I'm going to cover the following areas, handheld device, portable device, transportable device, and then the smart products that are available in low vision. So with that being said afterwards, Rachel will then share some of our blindness products with you, and I'll let her introduce herself. There we go. So the first product is the portable product. And this is really our hallmark low vision product. It's called the Explore 5. So Explore, when you hear that from humanware, you're gonna know that it's a magnification product. It's kind of the tag name for those products. And 5 indicates the inch of the screen from bottom corner, left bottom corner to right top corner. And then they're all electronic magnifiers. So this is a five inch electronic magnifier called Explore 5. We probably sell more of this magnifier than any. And as you all know, uh, the aging population is one of our key markets for low vision products. And so you kind of move from glasses with degenerative eye diseases to needing devices that are more powerful. And the Explore 5 is one of those devices it has within it um LCD lights that are excellent uh, and also a software program called diamond edge technology which allows you to expand an image and keep quality so you are getting a little baby computer here as well as a magnifier at the same time we have tried very hard to keep these devices with three or fewer buttons so that they're easy to operate you can take it out of the box and start using it immediately. On the Explore 5, which I have on the screen here, you'll see one of the really coolest features of it is that the handle is also a stand. So on the right-hand side of the screen, I have a Tilted Explore 5 that could easily fit on a piece of paper, a menu, uh, you know, a book, if you wanted to scan text or a check that you need to read, for instance, and you can set it on a flat surface and it's at the correct angle to read the most text. But if you are out and about, which is probably why this device is so popular, you you can open that stand and it becomes a handle so you can imagine yourself holding this device by the handle and putting it up to for instance a sales receipt or some kind of thing that you want to see while you're out in the world without you know causing too much trouble you simply dip into your satchel your backpack or your purse and you can see that small text that's everywhere in the world seemingly at least you figure it out once you, uh, once you start experiencing low vision issues, then you realize how much tiny in the booth. So, I'm going to go ahead and go on to the next device, which is also portable, which is the Explore 8. The Explore 8 has all of the same features and capabilities of the Explore 5, with the exception of one. It, the Explore 5 can hold over a thousand images in its memory. The Explorer 8 cannot hold quite that many. Each of them has a camera. So you can screenshot what you're looking at and save it for later and scroll through a gallery that will show you the pictures that you've taken. Once you've taken a picture with these devices, you can then expand it so it's comfortable for you to see the detail in the picture. And because of that Uh, Diamond Edge technology, it will maintain integrity of the image, either in color or the way that you've set the contrast on the screen for text. And you will be able to see the image with real integrity, which is part of what that computer program does. Now, again, you'll notice it has three buttons, simple to use, the middle button is the camera and also gets you to the menu. And then you have lower and higher, right and left. So it's easy to use. And again, in the aging population, um, which I am part of, so I'm not being ageist here, I will tell you that it is very, uh, difficult to use complex electronic devices when you haven't been using them for years and years, or maybe you never did. And so these devices are all made to be very, very easy to use out of the box by the two portions of the population that seem to need the most. And that's very young people. And then people that are in our aging and senior aging uh, uh, population, which in humanware terms, the senior, senior is between 75 and 95. And that is a key uh, group of folks that I talk to every day that are starting to lose their vision that have not had that problem in the past or were correctable with lenses. So the eight also has two features that the five does not have. It has pinch and zoom. So you can Enlarge an image by using your thumb and forefinger and moving it on the screen. And then it also has a distance camera. So if you're out or if you want to keep an eye on your neighbor, you can hold the device up, set it to the distance viewing camera, and it will show you a distance of 30 to 40 feet away. It'll show you what that image is, and you'll be able to expand it. So where that's really helpful and useful is if you're looking at street signs and things of that nature. It does not have the handle stand, but it does have um, a fold out stand that is positioned on the paper here that you see on the right hand side. It has set. Sitting on a newspaper. So that'll give you an idea of how big an 8 inch screen is. And then also, um, both of these devices, you can change the text background and foreground up to 17 different combinations. So, what I mean by that is if you're reading a book or something. Uh, Then you can change the background to one of 17 different colors and the text to black or white or any number of different combinations of colors and text colors until you find the one that's really the easiest for you for writing. So that is a feature all through these magnification products for specifically for text. So it will come in really handy and things like writing checks, looking at bills, Excel spreadsheets, things of that nature. Those contract changes are really important. And then if you just want to see the world around you and get an eye, a good idea of what's going on that you're not quite able to focus on. You keep it in the color mode. Also, there is uh, an issue with magnification. So many, many eye issues, what we have to solve them with as we age or as the diseases progress, magnification becomes the last thing that we can use to really assist us in reading. And so there are so many different kinds of conditions and so many different kinds of ways that people can still read or see the world. But changing those backgrounds and having that flexibility makes this product work for just about everybody, not just because it's the only thing there is, but we've really put a lot of electronic Uh, capability into these devices, great lighting, uh, excellent contrast. All of those things are taken into consideration with these products. Okay, this is our newest magnification product, and it is called the Explore 12. So by now you probably can figure out it's a 12-inch screen. What makes this device different is that it has a stand. And it is removable from the stand.
1: Okay, I've stopped it. Um, I want to thank everyone. I'm sorry that we have not had quite the uh, presentation we had hoped. I'm not sure what happened. Um, It had been confirmed as of Friday that we had someone coming to demonstrate a number of uh, products from uh, Best Buy, but has not been able to get in for some reason, and so I think we're just going to cut us uh, cut us short at this point. And anything that we do have that we've missed on this, we will definitely do on a community call of the uh, maybe it'll be the Thursday table talk Thursday or. Uh, the CCLVI coffee hour, or one of the next generation calls, or the Monday night discussion, or somewhere. Um, I thank all of you who have stuck with us through this call and through this session today. I know the meeting room is empty at this point. But we've done what we could, and we had a lot of competition against us. Um, On this call today, and there's so many good programs that are going on simultaneously here at the ACB convention, and I wish you all a great rest of the week. Thanks, and have a great, great 4th of July. Joining us today, and Herbie, and Travis, and those of you in the room, and those of you on Zoom, enjoy the 4th.